Before we begin this podcast, I would like to include a trigger warning. In this episode, we discuss sexual assault and specific sexual deviances, including child pornography. What's up, nerds? This is Brooke with The Slutty Scientist, Episode 3. And today we have another very special guest, my good friend Alex Kapnick. She is a licensed professional counselor and a certified sex addiction therapist. She has her own practice here in Philly called a Center for Transformation, where her and her partner at the practice specialize in treating sex addiction and trauma. So what are we talking about today, Alex? Well, today we're talking about everybody's favorite topic, pornography. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. I love porn. Okay. (laughs) I love porn to the point where, like, I have Pornhub Premium, but I do not watch porn every day. Maybe right now it's, like, maybe once a week, but it kind of ebbs and flows Okay, for me. But you you thought you should invest in, in the premium. Right. I feel like the content's so much better. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, I have never actually seen what's what's premium content. We might have to, like, explore this later. We can do that. <laughs> I, I will pull it up on my computer. I have no shame. But I swear to God, I think the content between, like, the premium and the non-premium is just, like, there's such a huge gap. And I think it's a lot better. And it's, like, 10 bucks a month, so it's, like, super affordable. Oh, yeah. It's just, like, another streaming service, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> what's one more, right? <laughs> we already have Hulu and Netflix and HBO and all the other stuff. Why not one more streaming service? Yeah, why not one more? But, um, okay, so it's good that you're only really watching, like, once a week. So you're not crossing over into addiction territory from what I see right now. Not yet. Not yet. But um, <laughs> let's talk about, like, how it can be addictive just so you don't, like, fall into that trap. Is it a big trap? It's a it's a pretty big trap. It's a pretty big trap. Yeah, and nobody really knows about it for some reason. I mean, I definitely didn't know about it. And then when you came to me, so Alex actually came to me when I said I was releasing this podcast, and she was like, "I really want to do an episode with you, and this is what we should do it on." Here is um, another podcast I've done. Listen to it, and I was like, I listened, and I was like, "Holy shit, this!" is outrageous and I had no idea but I instantly could relate it to so many things about different people and about myself that I knew so I was like we have to do this and we have to do it ASAP yeah the people really need to know this because it's that time of year you know people are lonely they might turn to their Pornhub premium for a company (laughs) I know I do all right so pornography like pornography is like basically just an image of flesh that people use as a drug and people really do use it as a drug like Pornhub every year they they publish statistics about their users um so in 2019 there were 42 billion 42 billion visits to the site so that's an average of 115 million visits per day or 80,032 visits per minute and remember, this is only Pornhub statistics. So there's a million other services. This is only a small piece of porn use. Right. But remember, Pornhub is this podcaster's favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Pornhub is the go-to. So It's definitely the go-to. Yeah. So 25% of users on Pornhub are ages 18 to 24. 
36% of users, 25 to 34. So really a majority of users of Pornhub are under the age of 34. I feel like those numbers kind of make sense because um, in the first episode, I talked about how the majority of people who contract STDs are like in the lower range. And so I feel like when we're in that age bracket, like 18 to 34, like we're all just like super sex crazed. Yeah, we are super sex crazed. But actually, you know, we're having less sex than our parents did oh are we now yeah we really are oh that's a fun fact i know right yeah because my mom told me she never got tested so um sue i'm calling you out (laughs) (laughs) um okay so just a little bit more with the statistics um so 70 percent of porn users are men and 30 percent are women and the number of female users is growing every year so um I guess that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that just goes to show that like women are becoming more comfortable with their sexuality in society. And ultimately, I think that that's probably a really good thing. Yeah, yeah. For so long, women have been kind of shame bound when it comes to sex. So it's good that women are kind of going through another sexual revolution and using porn to help them on that journey. Okay, last thing. Viewers spent an average of 10 minutes and 28 seconds. So, um, that sounds, that checks out. Yeah. You get a, about 10 minutes to get off. Women, you get a couple, you get a couple in there. Men, you get one. I feel like that's, that's my, I feel like that checks out for me personally. (laughs) I can't speak for anyone else, but for me personally, 10 minutes sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. 10 minutes to get off. Uh, I get off three or four times in 10 minutes. Yeah, three or four times. When it's myself, absolutely. That's impressive. If it's another partner, like, probably not. But if it's me, yeah, I can definitely, like, do Mm -hmm. it, like, one after another. Hmm. Users perceive internet porn as far more compelling than porn of the past because of the unending novelty of internet porn. Mm. It... It's like the crack cocaine of pornography, and Mm. you can find any fantasy. Mm. There's unlimited access. It's affordable. I mean, could be only $10 a month. Right, we already said that. (laughs) And it's anonymous. And basically, with a click of the mouse, you're in control of what happens, what to play, and when it ends. So as a culture, it's hard to believe that sexual activity can lead to addiction. We believe sex is healthy. Sex is healthy. Um, We need it to survive. We're biologically programmed to have sex. Mm -hmm. But internet porn is not sex. Note that. We are biologically programmed to have sex. So anyone who trashes me about all the sex I have, go fuck yourself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we are biologically programmed, and the more exciting sex is, the more addictive it can be. Yeah, I mean, but I say all the time, when people are like, oh, why are you talking about sex? I'm like, sex is the most natural thing next to shitting and eating and sleeping. Yeah, pretty much. So I don't know why we're not talking about sex more. I don't know. I mean, I think as a country, we're still pretty uh, there's still a lot close. of stigmas. Yeah, there's a lot of stigma. People yeah. don't talk about sex. But like you're saying, porn is not sex. No, two totally different sex. things. Porn is not sex. I mean, watching a full screen of naked body parts, you know, that's that's not going to protect a guy from an addiction. Might protect him from an STD though. Oh yeah, probably from an STD. <laughs> um, if he's doing it alone. If yeah. he's doing it alone. So there was a Dutch study, and they found that of all online activities, so like. Compared to your social media use, um, you know, getting into your internet K-holes, pornography has the most potential to become addictive. Did you just say internet (laughs) K-hole? Yeah. I love that. (laughs) I've never heard that, but I absolutely love that. For those of you who don't know, a K-hole is what you slip into when you take ketamine. (laughs) 
just side note. Well, haven't you ever like fallen into this trap? Like you just, you know, search for something and then you search for something else and then like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the rabbit hole. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You said like, you know, the novelty of porn is never ending and like you can get anything you want. I've had people literally come to me and be like, oh, like what kind of porn do you watch? Like trying to be sexy, like chill. But (laughs) and I'm like, well, it depends on what mood. And they're like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, you know, sometimes I want like that taboo shit where it's like I'm watching like the stepbrother and stepsister. And sometimes I just want that like crazy shit where I'm watching like a gangbang. And like there's like a ton of stuff in between. I have at least like six categories that I like. You know what I mean? I at least six. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have at least six categories that I like and that I like filter through regularly. And like you can literally get anything you want. Anything. So yeah, I I get I kind of get like why I mean, it makes sense. Like, everything you want is at your fingertips. Yeah, everything you want is at your fingertips. And, like... You're in complete control. All these different kinds of porn, like, it it can just feed that progressive illness. Yeah, you don't have to, like, actually go and find a partner to get off. It's easy. Oh, yeah. We'll talk more about that. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, let's talk about, like, porn literally can change your brain. I mean, scientists used to believe that the brain finished growing in childhood, but... We now know the brain goes on changing throughout life. We know better. Yeah, we know better. You know, it's the brain is constantly rewiring itself and laying down new nerve connections. I mean, neuroplasticity. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. Quick crash course in brain chem. So deep inside the old primitive part of your brain, there's something called a reward center. You've got one. Your dog's got one. For mammals, it comes standard. The reward center's job is to release pleasure chemicals into your brain whenever you do something healthy, like eating tasty food doing a hard workout, or enjoying a kiss, or having sex. I mean, it's it's pretty rewarding. Yeah. Um, oh, my God. I'm thinking about, like, <laughs> noshing on a whole bag of chips right now. That sounds lovely. Oh, yeah. So the high you get from these pleasure chemicals, the, the dopamine, makes you want to repeat the behavior. So thanks to your reward center, your brain is hardwired to motivate you to do things that will improve your health and chances of survival. So in healthy brains, there's a mechanism for satiety that lets you know when you've had enough the mechanism for satiety is controlled by the prefrontal cortex and its job is to keep our reward system in check so for example when you're done eating that um bag of chips or like when you're full from the chips your brain has this system that'll tell you you're full and have had enough um so in addicted brains the link between the prefrontal cortex and the reward center is weakened. The satiety mechanisms get overridden by the abnormal amount of dopamine released from addictive chemicals or in this case behaviors like porn use. An addicted brain endlessly pursues pleasure through dopamine release. Mm-hmm. Um and like this is why somebody with an alcohol addiction will drink until they pass out or become ill. There's there's just no stopping. No. <laughs> there, there certainly is not. Yeah. Yeah. I know you've all experienced blackout, so you know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most people have. You know, an easy way to think about it, this is like your brain is a car. The prefrontal cortex is the brake system. And uh, with addiction, the brake pads wear out. Oh, yeah. That sounds scary. Yeah. So internet pornography internet pornography pumps excess amounts of dopamine into the brain which can cause the brain to become addicted as i said a a minute ago uh the ancient brain circuit evolved to drive us towards food sex and bonding 
And as a consequence, extreme versions of these natural rewards register as uniquely valuable. Mm. That is why we get extra dopamine for high-calorie food and novel porn. Mm, yeah. There's the chip thing. Yeah, there's the chip thing. There it is. <laughs> and too much dopamine overrides our natural satiation mechanisms. So when researchers give rats unlimited access to enticing junk food, almost all of them will binge to obesity. This is why four out of five adult Americans, or 80% of them, are overweight, and half of them are obese. Yeah, I think I am technically considered obese on the BMI scale. Oh, the BMI scale. Don't get me started. That thing is so fucked up. So, <laughs> so then obese based on what? The BMI scale? Yeah, I mean, this is based on that, but like, yeah, that scale. That scale's um, fucked up. Yeah, that we know that scale's no, no, fucked no. up. No. In contrast to natural rewards like food and sex, drugs like alcohol and cocaine are only going to hook about 10 to 15% of users. If you think about it, four out of five adults Americans are overweight. That's 80% versus alcohol and cocaine only hooking about 10 to 15% of users. So natural rewards like food or sex are way way, way, way more addictive than drugs or alcohol. Wow, that's actually crazy to think about. So scientists have long known that sexual interest and performance can be increased simply by introducing something new, like a different sexual position, a toy, or a change of partner. Oh my god, I remember when I was giving my guy friends tips on like what to do in bed, and so they incorporated some of these tips, and they texted me and they were like, Brooke, that shit was crazy. They've never done that before and they loved it. So like that's just what that reminded me of. Every time I try something new, I'm like, yeah, this is the best thing ever. And then like, you know, after a while, yeah. it just kind of fades. Yeah, that novelty is mm-hmm. really exciting. So the reason that novelty is so exciting is because the brain responds to new sexual stimuli by pumping out more and more dopamine, flooding the brain just like a drug would. Mm. Mm-hmm. So it all makes sense. Yeah. It all... It all makes sense neurologically. It does make sense neurologically. That's lit. I mean, That's so yeah. lit. Yeah. Porn. Porn is a supernatural stimulus. So, so it's not just a stimulus. It's a supernatural stimulus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And a supernatural stimulus is a stimulus that elicits a response stronger than the stimulus for which it evolved, mm. even if it's artificial. Mm. So I have a really good example of this. So like... There, there was a study done that looked at male butterflies' mating patterns, and the study found that when male butterflies had the opportunity to mate with female butterflies or cardboard butterflies with exaggerated patterns on their wings to make them brighter and flashier than would ever be found in nature, they chose cardboard. Oh, of fucking course they do. Yeah. Dumb male butterflies. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> The uh, the cardboard butterflies are like the supermodels of butterflies, and the males are still more attracted to them than actual female butterflies. It's wild. So yeah. I'm in shock. I know, right? <laughs> so now think about that in the context of porn. I mean, porn provides you like an endless stream of new things. So like we just said, adding something new to sex can make it more arousing. With porn online, there's like endless amounts of new. Hell yeah. And then it's like super normal. I mean, look at porn. There's very few fluids or hair. Like it's all like, I know. it's. I know. Every time you watch anal porn, you don't see poop anywhere. That's the reality is that there's poop everywhere when you're doing anal, but not in porn. (laughs) 
No. Not it's, porn. It's just not natural. It's like these cardboard butterflies. The fucking cardboard butterflies. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, have you ever watched it? I, you, you said you don't really like porn, but have you ever watched the same porn twice? I know I haven't. I don't have favorite porn videos. You just get a new one every time. Um, yeah, I, I could say I, I don't usually watch the same porn twice. And there are some ethical porn sites that I, I do visit. The, yeah, the reason I don't don't like porn is just like I know too much about it. Like, yeah. Yeah, I just, I can't watch porn without like, it's just too fake. Right. It's just, yeah. Right. So internet porn can provide this endless stream of fresh erotic images delivered at high speed in vivid color 24 hours a day seven days a week and before consumers even start to get bored they can always give themselves another dopamine boost just by clicking on something different something more stimulating and hardcore than before so every time you go to something new and it's something you have not seen before you are basically releasing more dopamine in your brain yep that's what it is Mm -hmm. oh my god yeah, and the porn companies know this. Like that's how they make their money. Right. Back to the brain a little bit. So like these hits of dopamine from the endless online pornography causes two things to happen in your brain. First, they tell your brain that you've hit the evolutionary jackpot and can have endless opportunities to pass on your genes. See, there we come back to the the natural reward. Like sex is a natural reward. Uh, we're biologically programmed to reproduce, pass on our genes. Mm-hmm. And porn, like it's an evolutionary jackpot to your brain. Um, it kind of just taps into that, like, I need to reproduce, I yep. need to reproduce, I need to reproduce. Yep. And that's, like, that goes, like, way deeper than our conscious mind. Like, that is super, super subconscious. That's, like, your body, like, telling you you need to reproduce or you're going to die. Yeah, I mean, this is this is from our primitive brain that these um, drives come from. Mm-hmm. With extensive porn use, your brain releases this chemical called delta phosphate, And chronic consumption of porn causes delta phosphate to build up in your brain, change your brain, and it promotes a cycle of binging and craving. So pretty much like how how I kind of related to this, it's like when you start eating sugar in excess, you start to crave sugar all yeah. the time. Yeah. And it's because this delta phosphate is accumulating mm-hmm. in your brain and telling you I need more sugar, I need more sugar, I need more sugar. Yeah. And then it also builds new brain connections so you can remember – this experience like remember the pleasure that you got from eating all that sugar and repeat the behavior later this chemical delta phosphate it also forms connections to details associated with the experience so this is what creates cues and like cues are anything that the brain associates with the pleasurable experience so pretty much the more you feed into this the more delta phosphate you're going to have, the more things that are going to cue your cravings and the more you're going to want to watch porn. Yeah, but these pathways are also becoming sensitized, meaning they're they're easily triggered by many cues. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, shit. Um. <laughs> so you could see a fucking cucumber and you could be like, God damn it, I need to watch porn. Yeah, pretty much. Fuck. <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay. What is your brain going to do? Uh, how does oh it cope my, with all this? I don't know. Tell I, me. <laughs> tell me how it copes. <laughs> so when the brain is overloaded with dopamine, another chemical called Kreb is created to regulate it. So Kreb is like breaks on a runaway reward center, and it tries to regulate the amount of dopamine in the brain. Okay, so it's like an emergency break. Yeah. So yeah. it's like we're driving the car. 
the brake pads run out. Yep. And then we have to rely on the emergency brake. Exactly. And you know that, that that never ends well. Yeah, this is when it's really deep. So crab is why porn that was once exciting stops having the same effect. This is why you need to consume more and more content and more exotic content to get the same high. Mm, more crab, potato chips. Yeah, more potato chips. <laughs> and uh, crab causes tolerance. One of the things we're looking for in addiction. Mm. So porn users become desensitized from repeated overloads of dopamine. This is why addicts don't feel normal without their fix or mm. dopamine high. Okay, that makes sense. And then, you know, also something that happens when you develop an addiction, you, you like lose interest in things you used to find enjoyable. And that's because the dulling effects of Kreb make other things that that used to make you happy like going out with friends or playing a game that they don't provide enjoyment anymore because of this crib oh wow yeah so porn users experience strong cravings as a result of excess dopamine build up a crib and often find themselves giving more and more of their time and attention to porn sometimes to the detriment of relationships school or work okay so these addictions mm-hmm if you so if you watch porn too much and you get addicted to porn, you are going to lose relationships, you may lose jobs. It affects everything around you. Yeah, I mean I've seen I've seen a lot of clients come in with porn getting in the middle of their relationship. I've seen people come in their porn addiction has become so progressive that it ends up with them facing legal issues. Oh I mean, oh my god. Yeah, and even even like guys, I, I once worked with a cop who lost his job because he was looking at porn at work on the work computer. <gasps> oh, you never, guys, you never look at porn on the work computer or on the work internet. You turn your cellular data on, you go into the bathroom and you put that shit on your phone. Well, I hope you're or not doing do it at work because that's <laughs> probably an addiction. Or don't do that. <laughs> um, some report feeling anxious or down when they don't get back to their porn. So as porn users delve deeper into their habit, their porn of choice turns increasingly hardcore. And many find it hard to break their porn habits because it's an addiction. So just to, just to sum a lot of this up. So the brain is made up of over 100 billion nerves called neurons that travel through pathways. Neurons carry signals between parts of the brain. So with addiction, you want to think about like a pathway that is like a trail in the woods. And every time somebody uses that trail, it gets a little wider and more permanent. Every time a message travels down a neuron pathway, the pathway gets stronger. Mm. So every time you're getting this reward from porn, it's stronger. So every, yeah. So every time your brain sends off the dopamine because of the porn, it gets stronger and stronger. Yep. Okay. And there's even been some studies done where they do brain scans on people with porn addictions. And they found that they can see changes in a porn addict's brain that are very similar to other addictions. And actually, it's most closely similar to somebody with a methamphetamine addiction. Oh, shit. Yeah, think about that. Porn can actually overpower the brain's ability to have real sex. And that's because porn creates the perfect conditions and triggers the release of the right chemicals to make lasting changes in the brain. And this is why erectile dysfunction is a growing problem. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Porn desensitizes your sexual response. And if you think about it, like going back to some of the earlier statistics... 60% of people under 34, like th that's a majority of the porn users. So these younger people are having erectile dysfunction. Oh, shit. 
Yeah, I mean, wh- who makes Viagra? Like, their their company is, it's is Fitzer. So- it's the oh, one that made yeah. the COVID vaccine oh, makes man. Viagra. <laughs> okay, so this go company, Fitzer. Yeah, yeah, they're making tons of money off porn. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm in shock. <laughs> I know. So, porn consumers they can get obsessed. They they chase these flashy fantasies. Uh, these super, the super normal stimulus. They they miss out on life in real relationships in pursuit of this dopamine high. I feel like I can definitely see that. Yeah. Every once in a while, like I definitely do, like chase, like something that I've seen in porn. You know what I mean? And then it almost like never lives up to the expectation. Yeah, because there's just something different about when you're alone watching porn. I mean, there's like. No risk of exposure. There's like no shame. You don't have to be vulnerable with somebody or intimate with somebody. You know, it's just you and porn. Yeah. And whatever toys you might bring along. Right. And um, you can just like dive into that fantasy world. Yep. You can dive into any fantasy. Any and you, fantasy. Yeah. And you, and you don't need anybody else to do it. What are some of the symptoms of porn addiction? This is um, the juicy stuff. Yeah. So some of the physical symptoms and conditions I usually see with people that come in for a porn addiction. Now that we're all paranoid that we all have a porn addiction. <laughs> yeah. So if you have some of these things, maybe give me a call. Um, so chronic ejaculation and dysfunction, delayed ejaculation, brain fog and concentration problems, lethargy and lack of motivation, social anxiety, emotional numbness, declining interest in a real partner, escalation to porn that doesn't match your original sexual taste or sexual orientation Mm. and we know that these things are attributed to porn because they go away when users stop watching porn Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like something i can really relate that to is i know a lot of women who don't identify as bisexual or lesbian watch girl on girl porn all the time that's what i started with Hmm. yeah i think there's probably a different reason for that i don't want to get too far off track but like porn these days it's like so masochistic i don't know i'm so interested think think about this like like some women are just not comfortable with the violent like i mean basically porn tells you tells tells women that like you get hit and you should like it Mm. and some women just like don't want that right um yeah i mean i know for a fact like i started out with lesbian porn and now i i already said this but like i identify as heteroflexible whatever i I like that term right (laughs) so like i'm not like not into women you know what i mean but i started out with lesbian porn and even now that i have been watching porn for however many years and i have like explored a little bit more i fast forward through all of the dick sucking scenes, all of them, because I don't want to watch a woman get her throat pounded. And it's not because I don't like to get my throat pounded, but it's because it's just like not pleasurable for me to watch. Yeah. And that's like, that's kind of like what a lot of mainstream porn is. Oh my God. Yeah. So you literally every single porn scene that I see starts out with a woman sucking a guy's dick for like 30 minutes. It's unreal. Is it like who wants to watch that really? Let's talk a little bit more about addiction. So, what are some of the things that distinguish an addiction from normal use? Mm. Um, the big things are frequency. Is it compulsive? Is it distressing? Does it impact functioning? So, there is usually impaired control over use. You know, somebody with an addiction might have cravings, tolerance, and inability to stop. 
There's that social impairment that we talked about, like failure to fulfill obligations at work, Mm. school, or at home. There's continued use despite consequences in these areas. There's also risky use, continued use despite physical or psychological problems. So again, something like difficulty getting or maintaining an erection. And then there's like a bit of a pharmacological criteria that we look at, like tolerance and withdrawal. Are you getting that anxiety when you don't have access to porn? Mm. Are you getting shaky, uneasy? Are you easily set off, irritable, uh, discontent? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's it's rough out there. I'm like sitting here like, holy shit. <laughs> like, I don't even like, logically, I don't think I have a porn addiction, but I relate to so much of this. <laughs> honestly yeah i mean i think most people can and, right and like there's just not enough people talking about this i i agree this is like not a topic that i ever would have came up with on my own yeah i wouldn't have come up with it if i hadn't started working at a facility for sex addiction and literally gotten slapped in the face with it i had to learn all this stuff oh my gosh i mean it's fascinating it is really fascinating I, and i love working with sex addicts i mean i think they're they're so complex <laughs> yeah I love to try to figure them out. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the things that I found working with clients. So, you know, in exploring porn addiction with the clients that I've worked with, I found that there's never one single cause for porn addiction. There's always like feelings of desperation, Mm -hmm. anxiety, shame, fear, loneliness, and sadness that fuel use. Pornography allows users to numb all the urges that are not sexual, Mm -hmm. and because of this, users look to porn to provide them with feelings of power, control, superiority, fear, humiliation, and more. Right. Like, you know, like, we we keep talking about that release of dopamine, like, dopamine lowers anxiety, it lowers depression, like, it helps you feel elated, it it gives you that feeling of euphoria. Like, I know that in the past, if I've been anxious, I have watched porn. That's something I've done. Yeah. It's it's no different than somebody like wanting to pick up a drink after a stressful day at work. Mm-hmm. In addition to some of these like feelings and, and numbing urges, there's also m- multiple life experiences that can lead porn users to addiction. And also like life experiences can impact the interest in types of porn that might be considered taboo. With the extensive nature of internet pornography, like the clients that I work with, they're able to find specific scenarios that are compelling for them. So things like incest porn, mm. BDSM, mm. Uh, porn involving urination or defecation. I've, I've seen a, a number of clients with that. Oh, yeah. Um, I know plenty of people who really like degradation when it comes to sex. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to give you a couple examples. So my first example, uh, I had a client. He grew up in a home where his father drank a lot. He was an alcoholic. He was never home. Uh, His mother would constantly complain to him about the father's drinking, and eventually the parents got divorced. So this client, he would often walk in on his mother changing, and and he would become sexually aroused as a teenage boy because you're a teenage boy, like, you're seeing boobs. You're you're gonna be aroused, even right. if they're moms. Again, it's that it's that primitive thing. Yeah, it's like yeah. not even like conscious. Yeah. So in addition to like this arousal, his mom also treated him like a surrogate husband and like used him to fulfill her own emotional needs. The young kid, he he didn't know how to cope with that. He didn't know how to be his mom's emotional partner. No. And like, the mom wanted the son to fill her own emotional needs. And she was never available for the son's need. Right. 
So he started at a young age, he started using porn and masturbation to cope with his unmet needs and the shame he felt about this, the shame he felt about being aroused by his mom. And as years went on, his use of porn escalated. And when I saw this client, he had recently started a new job with a female boss. He reported that he was extremely stressed because of the workload and went to his boss for help, but she was not available to help. This event triggered feelings that were similar to what he had as a child, like shame and anger. So then he started getting aroused by the boss. Yeah. So struggling with this experience, like at work, it was no surprise that the client delved into his porn use and he ended up developing an interest in incest porn after watching a video that was sent to him. And like for him, we found out through therapy for him, like using incest porn was a way to kind of gain mastery over his childhood experience by imagining that he's his mother's chosen sexual partner and he's able to get his needs met. So like he identified with the son in this incest porn. Mm. And I mean, like, if you think about that in, like, broad... Sorry, I don't mean yeah. to interrupt. If you think about that in, like, broad terms, like, oh, the guy gets aroused by his mom, it doesn't make any sense. But when you think about it in that, like, really specific, like, thought process, it kind of does. Yeah. It, makes it really does. Sense. I mean, this is why we have, the, like, the Oedipus complex is, is, is very real. Right. Yeah. So this next one, I mean, this is... So I just want to say, like, trigger warning on this. Child pornography. Child pornography is really offensive and it's it's so difficult to understand how somebody could end up watching child pornography. But I want you to try to imagine like a client that was sexually abused by an older boy and he was never able to share his trauma with anyone because his abuser told him not to. This client experienced years of shame and even questioned his sexuality as a result of this abuse. Mm. This guy kept everything buried really deep inside and, and he went on to have a family and he was pretty like normally functioning. Um, but he had really low self-esteem and he felt as though he had no ability to share his feelings vulnerably in his marriage because he had never shared his feelings vulnerably. By being unable to share, like he, he felt a lot of shame similar to what he felt with his abuser. So this client, after years of using masturbation and pornography to self-medicate, feelings from the trauma he uh stumbled upon a link to child pornography actually this is usually sent in um there's a couple platforms where people send this kind of stuff and you know this client found child pornography really arousing and you know at times he identified with the perpetrator as a way to have some control over his past trauma and other times he took pleasure in the imagery and masturbated to it in order to reassert his masculinity and and gain mastery over this really traumatic experience wow yeah i mean like it's so hard like not to feel for this guy you know what i mean like knowing that if this traumatic event hadn't happened he probably would not be aroused by child pornography and like Mm -hmm. of course like the thought of him being aroused by child pornography is sick but like i feel like he also finds it repulsive and sick yeah like he doesn't like he's not proud of the fact that he does that and like it's just so terrible to think that like a lot of these nasty perpetrators wouldn't be perpetrators if it weren't for their past yeah yeah and i i've worked with a lot of clients that have issues with child pornography in in my years working with sex addiction and i can say you know i probably worked with like 
40, 50 guys that struggle with this. And, and there was only one out of those 40, 50 guys that didn't have like a clear trauma that led him to do that. So like a majority of people that are ending up watching child pornography, like they're really traumatized. That's 98% of people who are dealing with child pornography issues that Alex has come in contact with have past traumas from yeah. their childhood. Yeah, and like by looking at that trauma, you can have a little bit of compassion, even though it's it's so disturbing to think about child pornography. And it's a real problem in our country right now. Um, there's a New York Times article that came out over the summer. It's a really interesting read about um, just how we can't even stop child pornography now. Right. Um, maybe the can, internet makes everything way too accessible. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we can put a link to that article. It's a really interesting read. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll put a link in the article in the description just like everything else. Cool. Okay, so I have two more ex- client examples. One is a woman grew up in a home where she was valued for her physical appearance. She describes her mother as gorgeous and self-centered to me. This client was a ballet dancer, and her father put a lot of pressure on her to be skinny and would make constant comments about her weight. Mm. Yeah. Her father, like, continuously had partners other than her mom, and this behavior was normalized. This caused my client to believe that women were objects meant to provide men pleasure. This client's dad even took her to a strip club when she was 16. For what? For what reason? Uh, it was bonding. Bonding? Seriously. If my dad took me to a strip club, game over. I'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, this, <laughs> yeah, it's, it, I, it, you know, this stuff, it, it, just like any other addiction, like it, it really like runs in the family. Right. Um, you know, kids getting sexualized at a young age definitely makes them more susceptible to these kind of addictions. Mm-hmm. Um. So this client, she never felt like she was as good as her mother. She was never gorgeous enough. Um, and she developed the belief, I'm not good enough. Which we all can relate to oh so well. Oh, yeah. I mean, anybody who's self-aware probably can relate to that belief. That's my biggest button. <laughs> <laughs> so this client, this client was actually raped in college twice while under the influence of alcohol. And she reported that she dissociated during both experiences. And it was discovered through EMDR that... She experienced immense fear and shame at the time of these experiences. Can you explain what EMDR is? Oh, my God. EMDR is my favorite kind of therapy. (laughs) Um, I am certified to provide EMDR. It is eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Mm -hmm. Basically, it is the go-to trauma treatment. Okay. And it's effective. It's really effective. So if you have trauma that you want to... You want to go to talk to Alex and there's EMDR therapy and it's really, really effective. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the American Psychiatric Association's go-to treatments for trauma. Yeah. I've definitely heard about it a few times, but I've never actually known what it was. Yeah. I mean, it's to explain it is a bit challenging, but it basically it uses eye movements like that are similar to what happens with REM sleep and you work through a trauma by looking at the negative beliefs that you developed as a result of that trauma and then starting to unblock affect feelings things that are related to that trauma so you really get into the the, the negative feelings that you might not have had at the time of the trauma because usually when we experience something traumatic we we freeze and there's a bit of dissociation going on so mm-hmm. we look at the trauma experience those feelings address the negative belief and 
we reprocess it. We try to create a more positive, adaptive belief based on this experience. And and basically, it's like when you experience a trauma, your brain's normal inf- information processing system is disrupted. And we use EMDR to process that memory in an mm. effective way. Okay. And that's like a surface level explanation. Awesome. Thank you. It, yeah. It's it's really cool. It's it's like so effective. I, I, I love using it with clients and, and getting them to find some relief pretty quickly. That's um, incredible. So this client recently graduated law school. She took her first job as a public defender and she actually works with clients that committed sex crimes. This is also like a trauma reaction for her because, you know, she was raped and now she's in a position where she is working with people that committed sex crimes. Um, and, and in her position, she has more control than she did in these other situations, like in these experiences where she was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. But this experience triggers feelings associated with her childhood and it, it triggers the feelings she had related to her rape. So, you know, in order to cope, this client used porn and masturbation to, self, to, to self-medicate for years. And she she recently developed an interest with, in BDSM porn. That, that interest developed when she took the job uh, as a public defender. And she s- shared that in BDSM porn, sometimes she identifies with the dominant role and other times she identifies with the submissive role. And, you know, some more specific- specifics of that, she, like, identifies with female doms in the pornography as a way to have control in her past sexual experiences. But she also identifies with female subs in order to reenact her trauma and gain mastery over it, gain pleasure from it. Because, like, in a dom-submissive relationship, like, subs have the ability to stop the sexual acts. Mm -hmm. So, pretty interesting. Um, So, there's something that I want to, that this brings up for me. And this is a pretty personal experience. So, again, trigger warning. But this kind of reminds me of this time where after I had been sexually assaulted, I was watching The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, And there's that really vicious rape scene in it. And I actually got turned on by it. Yeah. That's, um, that's trauma pleasure. Yeah. In order to gain mastery over traumatic experiences, sometimes our, our brain, like our brain, like recodes those experiences as pleasurable. Mm -hmm. Um, and if you think about it, like it's a lot easier to remember that experience as pleasurable than Mm -hmm. to acknowledge some of the fear and and other feelings that that come up for somebody when they experience sexual assault right 100 percent. and so just like the reason i bring it up is because like i was really ashamed of that Mm -hmm. for like a really long time it's a really vivid memory in my head and like i was super ashamed of that but it's like it's just your brain's way of coping and so like you don't have to be ashamed of these things yeah absolutely and it's really really common Mm -hmm. um actually common yeah there's there's actually an assessment that i I give to a lot of my clients a post-traumatic stress uh, inventory and it looks at how people cope with trauma mm-hmm. um, whether it's trauma avoidance trauma pleasure trauma uh, shame like uh, uh, there's a whole that's a whole another thing but mm-hmm. I don't want again I don't want to get it too off track there's just right. so much to talk about it like I, yeah I could I could easily get off track yeah absolutely I just wanted to like bring that up just in case like anybody has ever had an experience like that like this is what this reminded me of and like if you've had an experience like that like that's okay and there's like reasons for it yeah and it's so common Mm -hmm. and it's it's perfectly normal you don't have to feel shame right okay my last example I worked with a client he was bullied extensively starting around age five 
His parents were emotionally unavailable and unable to provide him support when he experienced this bullying. He can recall multiple experiences in which female peers laughed at him and then contributed to the bullying he experienced from male peers. The female laughter was so traumatic that it wasn't uncovered prior to utilizing EMDR around the bullying experience. So they started to do some EMDR with this client around bullying he experienced. And then, like, you know, he had a dream that night about female peers laughing. Mm. Um, and that's that's some kind of what can happen sometimes with EMDR. It, it, it helps you uncover other parts of a traumatic memory that you put out of your awareness in order to make it easier to cope with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this client, women are laughing at him getting bullied. Well, girls, I mean, he's a, a kid at the time. Girls are laughing at him when he's getting bullied. So as a child, when this client had to go to the bathroom, he was brought into restrooms with his mother and sister. At younger ages, he was brought into the same stall as his mother and sister and was exposed to them urinating. As he got older, he was able to go into his own stall, but he was still using women's restrooms. And this continued till about age nine, like likely the start of puberty. So if you think about this, like he probably experienced arousal from knowing that he was in a, in a women's restroom. So after years of excessive porn use, this client developed an interest in porn that involved being urinated on by women. So you combine these experiences. So his experience of being humiliated by these girls when he was getting bullied, paired with his experiences in the restrooms, and this likely contributes to his interest in this kind of urination porn. And, you know, when I talked to him more about it, like he said he got pleasure from it. And and it like makes sense because like, this is what we're talking about before with like the trauma pleasure. Yeah. Um, he derives pleasure from what was once a humiliating experience for him. Mm. And like by masturbating to this kind of porn, he's able to assert his masculinity. And he wasn't able to do that when he was a child and, and had no choice but to go into women's restrooms. Right. Yeah. So degradation by urination, that yeah. all makes so much sense. Yeah. So would you say that the majority of patients that you work with, they – develop these like sexual deviances or you know taboo ideals because of things that happened to them as children absolutely it's it always goes back to your childhood really usually mom and dad sometimes peers right sometimes uh other abusers but yeah a lot of it has to do with childhood wow and like ultimately like we're not trying to sit here and be like shame on you parents because like it's obviously it can be like really little things yeah and and like it's not like blaming your parents it's just like it helps you have some understanding and it it can really help you develop some compassion for yourself Mm -hmm. um because you know there's reasons that you develop these interests right like you said i mean like you said there's like almost all of these relate back to childhood experiences yeah which is crazy to think about i mean i've never thought about it like that yeah Yeah, so like in all of these examples, the clients are able to find a fantasized escape from their own feelings of inadequacy, trauma, and shame about their lives. Um, And then the internet and variety of porn available online can be the catalyst to discover these unconscious desires. Right. So like these are desires such as sexual attraction towards a parent, desire to have power in sexual relationships, desire to relinquish power. And many other wishes, they're just widely available through scenarios depicted in porn. Mm. Um, And viewing these unconscious desires in porn gives these desires the form and ability to be expressed. Mm -hmm. So these unconscious wishes are related to past experiences, the childhood experiences, 
And a person's choice in porn can really tell us a lot about what needs to be addressed in therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's really one of the first questions I ask, like, what type of porn do you like? Wow. So treatment for compulsive use and pornography, it, it involves understanding the dynamics and decision process of sexually intrusive behavior, understanding the family of origin, and understanding childhood trauma. Mm. So, you know, there's no cookie-cutter approach to treatment. It's it's individualized to each client. Right. Uh, but it's so, a lot of, like, what we, what we talked about. You yeah. go through it with them, you figure out what the causes are, and then you kind of base a treatment plan off of that. Yeah. And, like... We got to break through the denial about connections between past events and current interest in porn. Like mm. a lot of clients want to deny that connection. I, the, the, the client that I was talking about with the incest porn, the first client I was talking about, he really wanted to deny that it was based on a sexual attraction to his mother. Right. So, yeah, because there's a lot of shame and guilt surrounded by that. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Absolutely. But it's like your body's natural reaction. Like, Right. There's, there's really... that you couldn't have done anything different right it's like that primitive behavior we keep talking about it's like almost it's non-conscious yeah yeah and this is what happens in in a lot of sexual abuse scenarios Mm -hmm. like a lot of men come to me and they're like i just feel so much shame for getting aroused for getting an erection but like that's the body's natural response you don't have control over that right and and like that's such an important piece to this treatment like just knowing that you didn't do anything wrong right and hopefully that can really help some people with developing Mm self-compassion so we talk a lot about the connection between past experiences and current interests in porn and the treatment has to involve addressing the past events like processing the feelings associated with these past events and it's extremely important that family of origin trauma sexual trauma is addressed in treatment and this is usually where i use emdr it is really the best tool to use for this kind of trauma in addition to processing feelings associated with the past uh, we have to create healthy ways to cope with current stressors you know and and do some stuff that's pretty similar to like how you would treat an alcohol addiction Mm -hmm. substance use addiction there's also some other tools that I really like to utilize with my clients. Something called emotionally focused tapping. You can take a look at that. Maybe we can include a link. Uh, there's an app for this called the Tapping Solution. Highly recommend you check it out. Oh boy. Um, it's it's a type of meditation that uses acupressure points to stimulate your rela- relaxation response. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Container imagery, body scans, coherence breathing. The the treatment for this stuff is is long term and ongoing because it's it's really complicated there's not one cause and effect for how a porn addiction develops yeah i mean you kind of you kind of laid out some examples for us but i'm sure it took you multiple sessions to get from point a to point b with those oh yeah Yeah. like it's not like a very clear-cut answer usually and it usually takes a lot of like in-depth like digging to figure out what it is yeah and like that digging is it's really interesting and you know clients really develop a lot of self-awareness and an ability to examine themselves mindfully by by doing that kind of exploration right porn use porn use addictive okay so what i got from this is that we need to watch less porn yes but fuck more um yeah (laughs) that would be a good solution uh 
like actual sex is a much better alternative to internet pornography. It's a lot less addicting. A lot less addicting. Than internet pornography. And it can be way more rewarding. Like actually. It definitely can be. I feel like internet pornography is almost triggering like mental satisfaction. But like Mm -hmm. regular sex is like triggering like emotional satisfaction. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because like when you have sex with someone you're connecting with someone and. Like, I feel like, you know, if you're trying to, like, recreate some porn and it's not going the exact way you want, you're not, like, like, your brain is, like, what the hell? And it's not, you're not, like, doing it for, like, the emotional connection anymore. You're doing it for, like, the mental satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, you're literally just pursuing that dopamine high. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy to think about. So, (laughs) watch porn less, fuck more. Great. Awesome. Yeah. All right. It's it's great. (laughs) So we're going to do something really fun right now. And Alex is going to enjoy this. I'm probably not going to enjoy this. However, we are going to diagnose me. Oh, geez. Because I obviously love sex. I am making a sex podcast and I have a sex therapist standing, sitting right in front of me. Mm -hmm. So we are going to diagnose me and see if I have a sex problem because I have been accused of being a sex addict before (laughs) by a couple of people, a couple of friends, a couple of partners, you know what I mean? So how do we start this? Well, okay, let's like look at some of the physical symptoms and conditions. Um, Okay. So does your interest in sex porn cause you to kind of have brain fog and concentration problems? I definitely think it can. It can. Like if I have a sexual partner that I am having sex with regularly, I think about sex more. And like sometimes I can't focus at work because of it. Yeah. I can kind of relate to that. (laughs) Right. I feel like the more I've said this before to my sexual partner is like the more I have sex, the more I want sex. And so if I fuck someone right away the next like day or two, I'm going to be insatiable. But once Mm -hmm. that day or two passes, I'm good to go. And I feel like I level out a lot. But it like spikes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, I guess that that one's hard because like, you know, there's also strange things that happen in your brain when you are attracted to a new partner. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, when you're attracted to a new partner, your brain releases excess dopamine and neuropinephrine. So again, more some pleasure, more more pleasure chemicals. There's also a lack of serotonin that um, happens when you have a new sexual interest, and that lack of serotonin can cause obsession and craving. Mm-hmm. That might explain some of this uh, difficulty concentrating. So, I mean, if it's persisting like months and months into a relationship, no. No, no. Okay. It it's it comes and it goes just as quickly. Okay. Like, so yeah, it's probably just like the initial high off of a relationship. I guess some of the other things we should look at. Um, do you feel like your interest in sex and porn causes you to have a lack of motivation? No. No. Okay. No. I feel like if anything, it motivates me more. <laughs> okay, that's good. Uh, any social anxiety or emotional numbness? Me. Social anxiety. Yeah, I don't emotional. Think I, don't, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think not. Yeah, yeah, that one doesn't really. Um, uh, that doesn't add like. up. <laughs> okay, this one might though. Declining interest in a real partner. 
Okay, so in theory, I have interest in a real partner. But in practicality, I mean, I've always said it's because I'm picky. But maybe I just, I don't know. What do you think? Hmm. Um, My last partner I had was in 2018. Shout out, Mark. Love you. (laughs) We're still friends. I mean, I don't really know if that means anything. We might have to have like a a full session to talk about the ins and outs of this relationship to try to figure out what's going on here. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't know. It's it's hard to say. No, I think I want a real partner. Yeah? Yeah. Like I would say that I'm actively searching for a real partner. Whether or not that comes to fruition is dependent on how much they suck and not me at all. (laughs) Back to some of the addictive characteristics. Do you feel like you have impaired control over your sexual behavior, use of pornography? You have cravings, tolerance, inability to stop? I think maybe sometimes I have cravings. I mean, there have definitely been times where I, not in my current job, where I have been horny at work and I have gone... And done and masturbated in the bathroom. But usually that's to clear the fog, which is what we've talked about already. So what does that mean? I don't know. It's getting a bit borderline here. Oh, boy. Because, uh, okay, so the next thing we really want to look at is um, the social impairment. So failure to fulfill obligations at work, school, or at home. And continued use of sex, masturbation, pornography, despite consequences in these areas. I don't think that I have experienced consequences in these areas due to this. I mean, like, every once in a while, it's, when I say that, I mean it's, like, every once in a while. It is not, like, a weekly thing. It is not even a monthly thing. Hmm. Okay. Okay. It's just from time to time. Yeah. Okay. You, you really might be okay. All right. Um. I mean, and then there's the one last thing I want to look at, like, is there continued use of these sexual behaviors, masturbation, pornography, like despite physical or psychological problems? No. I mean, there's definitely been times where I have, there's, I feel like it ebbs and flows. Like one month I'm really sexually active and the next month I'm not. And it's like, if I feel like I'm getting like too sexually active and it's like impairing me emotionally, I stop. Okay. So congratulations i don't think that you're a sex addict i think you probably just like have a high sex drive cool and um yeah you just like to have a lot of sex you heard it here first guys i have a high sex drive and i like to have a lot of sex yeah i mean this exists uh society just tells us women shouldn't be like this so right yeah oh so it's society's fault yeah pretty much (laughs) we're just kidding we're just kidding no we're not (laughs) Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, stop shaming women for liking to have a lot of sex. Thank you. That's what I'm saying. But Listen, just because I like sex doesn't mean I'm a sex addict. Yeah. It doesn't it doesn't affect my everyday life. Yeah, you need to have this like compulsive distressing use that's impacting you in some sort of negative way. If you're getting arrested for like uh exhibitionism, you're mm. probably a sex addict. Right. Um you know, if your porn use is leading you to, to view illegal types of pornography, you're probably a sex addict. Um, yeah. I feel like, if anything, it helps me positively. Like, okay, so just for example, 
I, when I was younger, I went to go see my doctor and my primary care physician. I mentioned him all the time. He is the man. And I was like, Doc, I am hot. I like, I'm so angry all the time. Like, I'm so angry all the time. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know why I'm like this. And he's like, do you masturbate? And I'm like, no. And he was like, well, maybe you should start. And I swear to God, it changed my life. Yeah, I mean, as human beings, we all need that sexual release. Right. So there's nothing wrong with needing sexual release. But when it comes to a point where it's compulsive, you can't control it, it's having negative side effects. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting off like two, three times a day, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting towards risky. Um, if you're spending If you're spending an hour watching porn a day, I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot, too. Yeah. I can't imagine. I, sh- I just feel like I don't have, like, time for that. Yeah. I mean, if you're spending an hour watching porn, like, how are you fulfilling the rest of your, like, responsibilities? Right. That's true. I guess everything in moderation, right? And that moderation is not an hour a day. <laughs> Definitely not. I mean, if you, like, have any question, if you are an addict of porn or sex in some way i mean like i really encourage you to reach out to alex i mean like i have been called a sex addict and i have questioned that for a very long time and alex just kind of diagnosed me a little bit and she said no i don't think you're a sex addict i think you just have a high sex drive yeah so i mean that makes me feel better you know and if you have any questions about this i mean like feel no shame there's tons of people out there who are experiencing similar things yeah and like you know we can have a brief conversation and, you know, figure out what's going on. Right. There's no shame in liking sex and there's no shame in having sex and there's no shame in even watching porn. But remember what Alex said, you know, watching porn ultimately leads to this excessive release of dopamine in your brain and the more you do it, the more you're going to want to do it. So if you think that maybe you're watching porn a little too much, try to back off. And if you think that you're not able to connect with sexual partners, try to back off of the porn. Like, I know a person who literally told me they were, like, participating in November and they were connecting with women deeper because they weren't accessing porn so much, because they weren't masturbating so much. And, you know, I mean, I think that, again, like, moderation and everything. And, you know, now that we kind of see, like, the neurological disadvantages of watching so much porn we can understand why we can understand why porn is affecting our relationships with people yeah yeah we 100 percent can and maybe this has some sort of connection to why we're not getting married as young in some weird deep twisted way maybe i'm just getting way too far into that i don't know there's a lot to think about here guys there's a lot to think about yeah it's there's so much to think about that would be a really interesting topic to try to research Right. Um, Because, I mean, if you think about it, like the more we have more and more access to the Internet and to porn as time goes on than like our parents did. Our parents got married so much younger and now we're getting married so much older. Like our generation is maybe there's a cause to that because we're not connecting so much. Yeah. I mean, the screens are definitely having an impact on that. Right. The screens are definitely having an impact on that. We come in contact with so many more people and so much more porn. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, so, like, I want to just give you a quick self-help resource here. There's actually a Reddit community of uh, guys that are trying to stop uh, masturbating to pornography. Um, so it's reddit.com slash, 
like slash r slash nofap and that's n-o-f-a-p so reddit.com slash r r slash nofap f-a-p yeah um and i wow reddit has everything they really do oh my god if you're ever like concerned about something just go to reddit yeah um and i I just pulled up the page right now so like the first post on here uh pinned by the moderators it's detox december 2020 detox december bitches yeah um and it's encouraging you to feel free to leave your recovery reboot reboot or retention goals in this thread um so there's social support here to help you stop using so much internet pornography and masturbating so yeah guys check it out yeah and i really encourage you to like open up to your friends about this i mean like guaranteed someone else is also going through like this like i know like i mentioned like my friend earlier who like was stopped like was was participating in no not november and you know it was him and he got dared to by a couple of his guy friends and they all did it together you know what i mean like and i'm not just saying men like women too i feel like women generally masturbate a lot less but i know that me and my female friends we masturbate a fuck ton and i know that (laughs) but like you know if you're having a problem with it like talk to your friends about it yeah i mean and if you can't talk to your friends like find alex yeah there's professional (laughs) help there's plenty of professional help right wow this has been really great and this has been really really eye-opening alex well thank you so much for for having me I, i i love the opportunity to teach more people about this because it's a huge problem and nobody's talking about it it's you know it's it's like it's like big tobacco back in the day right you know nobody thought it was a problem until it was a huge problem right and it's a huge problem and you know what that is okay because so many more people are having this problem than we realize i didn't know it was a problem until alex contacted me and i'm sitting over here like i love sex you know what i mean like (laughs) it just it just it is what it is like we need to start talking about it we need to start normalizing these things yeah um, you are definitely not alone. It's completely okay. Let's just get you some help so you can get your life back on track. Because like if if this is causing impairments in your daily functioning, like it doesn't have to. Right. It does not have to. There are people here for you. And, you know, ultimately we just want to help. Yeah. That's all I want to do. Help, educate. Yeah. I think that's probably about it. Alex. Once again, thank you so much for coming and talking to me about this topic. My mind is blown. Porn addiction is a real thing. It affects the brain. We need to have more sex. (laughs) Yeah, sex instead of porn. Sex instead of porn, guys. Come on. And yeah, try to have it in a committed relationship because I also see sex addicts that do a lot of cheating. And that's also complicated. It hurts a lot of people. Cheating hurts a lot of people. You can try to do, do a committed relationship. I feel like I'm pretty straightforward with my partners when I tell them what I want. So you can do that too. You know what I mean? Ultimately, just be honest. Yeah, just be honest. Just be honest with your partners. That's always... Honesty, you know what? Honesty is always a good route to go with this because if you're lying, you're hurting people. And the intent is to normalize and educate so we're hurting less people. Absolutely. And we're being more open and we're being more honest. Okay, once again, thank you, Alex. This is episode three of The Slutty Scientist. We are going to have all of our sources, 
on the details of this episode. Additionally, if you have not followed the Slutty Scientist podcast on Instagram, go follow the Slutty Scientist podcast on Facebook. There's no you in Slutty on Facebook. But they don't like that word for whatever reason. So it's the Slutty Scientist podcast, but without the you in Slutty. All of our stuff is going to be on there. And that's all I got for this week, guys. So don't forget to go out and send it safely. Beep, 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 slutty scientist. Beep, 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 slutty scientist.